I'm Shane Wilson. Brian Copney. Mike Frost. And we're trying not to get sued. Good evening, good evening, boys and girls. It's another episode of Trying Not to Get Sued. My man Mike Frost is here. Shane Wilson. I'm Brian Copney. And we have a returning guest back for some more punishment. Glutton for punishment. It's my man Brad McDaniel. He's here to talk about uh, Ruck 22. What kind of good stuff they got going on. How you doing, Brad? Um, Brad McDaniel, Ruck 22 WV. Uh, I've not been real active lately. Um, but I do have one thing since I'm on a podcast I want to discuss. I want to talk about the Compact Act of 2020. Um, basically what that stands for is Veterans Comprehensive Prevention Access to Care and Treatment Act of 2020. It passed, in, uh, passed last year. And to sum it all up, um, if you qualify as a veteran, you have free access to any emergency facility in the United States anywhere uh, for mental health. Uh, if you're in a mental health crisis of any way, um, you get up to 90 days of outpatient care and 30 days inpatient residential care. So really, really, really consider looking into it. If you're going through something or you have a family member or, or a loved one that's going through something, please look into it or reach out to me, Ruck22WV on Facebook. Uh, ruck22 at gmail.com. Reach out to me and I'll get you all the info you need. Is this the same um, thing? I, I think a couple, maybe a month or two back, they were trying to take a whole bunch of symptoms and kind of put them in a ball. And uh, like, like say if you were a veteran or maybe if, even if you weren't a veteran, you were uh, around burn pits or stuff like that. Yeah. And you had any of these list of symptoms, you can get free, free health care for these symptoms without... Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think it's wrapped up in the Compact Act. I think that might be part of the CARES Act, but oh, it's, okay. yeah. But uh, but to touch on that, I mean, healthcare in general at the VA, even if you're not registered at the VA, up until five years after after you release from active duty, you have free healthcare. And not a lot of people know that the government doesn't take, make it well known. So something good to look into. But anywhere in the country, I mean, if I go to a private hospital, a community hospital, and I'm in a mental health crisis, the government needs to pay for it right now under that act. Sweet. All right. Now, when you saying something about this new act was uh, for families as well? Uh, no, that's or just just if you have that? a loved. No, if you just have a loved one that who is qualifies as a veteran. Um, oh, I got you. Yeah, uh, reach out on behalf of them because that's that's pretty important. And a lot of times, a veteran that's going through something is not going to reach out on their own. Yeah. Um, and they're going to have to have a, some kind of support system to reach out on behalf of them. Do you guys, um, does Ruck 22 do anything in regards to homeless veterans? Actually, that's my biggest uh, target on what on my goal um, because the root of all mental health starts with homelessness or a loss of some kind, some kind of traumatic uh, thing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, if a person feels like they're helpless, then they, they have no other resort to turn to other than suicide. Homelessness is a big key one with veterans that, um, so what I do um, when I hold my 22-mile ruck marches is I ask people to carry 22 pounds of supplies uh, that are to be donated to homeless veterans. And I have actually have three veterans homeless shelters that I use, mm-hmm. and two of them are out of Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, one is a men's only uh, homeless shelter, and the other one is women's and children's. Sweet. Vet- veteran women and children of veterans who are homeless and uh, actually have a whole outbuilding right now that I need to I actually need some volunteers if anybody out there wants to give me a hand send me an email at ruck22wv or well 
yeah, rep22wv at gmail.com. Send me an email and give me a hand if you've got a trailer or anything you can help me get down to Asheville. I've got a load of stuff I need to get down there. So I can do 2023's events, um, yeah. which I don't have dates for yet, but I'll get back with you all on that. Yeah, let us know. And then we can, even if you're not on here, we can put out information as you give it to us. Yeah. You know, yeah. stuff sure. like that. I mean, I definitely hit mine up on that. Uh, I, and the reason, kind of the reason why I ask is, you know, I, I don't think it's any secret. Veterans are kind of a soft spot for me. So when I stop at that infamous sheets right there and there's always somebody standing there, it's one thing to hold a sign that says, you know, I'm down on my luck or we'll work for food. But when you hold up a sign that says homeless vet, dude, I want to get out and slap you. I mean, because there are resources out there. to, And I understand everybody gets down a hard spot or whatever. But no, nah, don't don't use the veteran thing as your niche to just, you know, panhandle money. I, I don't agree with that. But, but how often do they put that on the sign and they've never served to? Yeah. Yeah, that's it's true. true. You got to watch you got to watch for the fake well, ones. But next time I see them, I'll ask them for is 214. One of one of the <laughs> programming is a big thing for me. So if you're not willing to program yourself to get back into society the proper way, then there's really not there you have to draw a line on on what you give people or what you cater to. Yeah, and it's I mean, like that with everything. You can only help people to a certain point before they have to they have to take the initiative and start doing something. That's the good know, thing about it. these homeless shelters that I use is they're not meant to be a permanent residence for right. veterans. They're, they have you have a requirement within so many days. You have to submit so many job applications. Uh, you have to su- uh, submit how you're going to travel around the town of Asheville, North Carolina, which is a pretty big place. They have one of the biggest VA facilities there. Nashville's uh, nice, too. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really I like those people, and I've actually sent people from here in southern West Virginia down there to uh, start their programming. I've, I've got success stories. Actually, last week a guy called me and said he purchased his first home since Sweet. being out of the military. So, I mean, that, that right there is a big one, man. You just got to watch for the fake ones. Like you're talking about the guy at Sheets. Uh, you, all you can do is offer the assistance, mm-hmm. but he's got to take the proper way to get it. Did you, I, I, my wife's got a picture on her phone. There was a guy outside the, the place at Walmart, and uh, he was standing there holding the sign. You know, he was he was homeless. He, he didn't say he was a vet. He was homeless, and he's willing to work for food. He's hungry. Anything, any little thing can help. And you look behind him, and right there at that pole, all there's a whole string of, like, McDonald's bags and Chick-fil-A bags where people were stopping. And giving him food. And giving him food. But that's not really what he wanted. No, of course not. Yeah. So that, that, that just kind of... See, and I think it's desens- desensitized people in the area. Seeing all this everywhere you go, every stop sign in downtown Beckley, because you see it so often every day, that a lot of these people aren't homeless, that they actually do it to pay their bills. Because I've heard s- several stories... Yeah, that's unfortunate. For dry, the, you know. That's unfortunate for the person that really is going to Exactly. So you don't really know. Mm-hmm. You know, I get people... I know... I've, I've seen a few come in my work that I know are strung out and I see them in there every day. I know what they're doing it for. I wonder how much they make because I'm trying to pay for college <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'm trying to supplement this income here, brother. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you some tomatoes or something. <laughs> you gonna give me something to sell? Yeah, I'll give you some yeah. tomatoes. There you go. I was gonna toss these in the trash anyways. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and I'll admit the homeless uh, problem in Beckley is definitely growing. 
I'll say that, but the same people all the time, all the time. Yeah, it's it's all, and they all, and what was it? I think it was Steins that posted that one of them two fighting over that one spot. Yeah. Yeah, that's right there. Sheets, Corral or, or, yeah. Oh, Golden yeah, Corral was, has a brawl like every Sunday. <laughs> yeah, they do. They fight over the corner. I got off work. It's out there and record, man. Cripple fight. <laughs> Cripple fight. What was that? What was that old YouTube channel? Crutches like and bum shit fights or whatever you want. Yeah. Yes, Rufus. Man, that, that that was horrible. I think he turned around and sued them people for that shit. I don't mm-hmm. know if he won anything out of it, but I remember seeing in the news he sued them. Did stuff. you guys see where he went on Doctor Phil? And he looked like Dr. Phil. Did you see that? No. Like, he went on Dr. Phil and he shaved the top of his head and wore a gray suit like Dr. Phil no. does and everything. And it was the guy from Bum Fights. Yeah. No shit. He went on there and looked just like him. Dr. Phil was fucking mad. Dude. <laughs> 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 it's a funny clip. But, no, I mean, you got all them people around here. And I remember when it first started, it's back when I used to work night crew at work. And I would get off work about 10, 11 o'clock, and i go to Sheets to go grab something to eat before I went home. And these cats, at the time, were working together. And they had, they were up there on them benches outside where they had the tables outside, and they were gathering up, well, this is how much I made. I mean, they had all their money gathered up in a pool, like it was an orchestrated deal. And now it's every man for himself. <laughs> Teamwork doesn't even make the dream work, I swear. <laughs> All right, fellas, I want to. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna get on my soapbox for just a second. Are, are we going? Are we going? What direction are we going? We're going kids or correction? We're going kids. Kids, okay. You know, we, you know, we, we probably should start with correction because that's where the fuck they're gonna end up. <laughs> if, if, if I'll step uh, back from this one, yeah, I ain't got kids. I ain't got, oh, shit. <laughs> so, uh, I, I really want to dig into and dig into the corrections part. Well, the first thing I think is fucked up about it is it's a business. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people make a lot of money off of people going to prison. Yeah. I that's know, just, I'm, I'm on the outside looking in, and it's a business. Man. Well, they, they've recently uh, closed a lot of the privatized yeah. uh, prison industries because of that. <laughs> because um, the government couldn't make enough money off of the private one? The government <laughs> couldn't tax them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it doesn't <laughs> matter to me. This is not the, the discussion for whether you agree with it's organized slavery or, uh, you know, there are multinational corporations making zillions of dollars off of this. I feel like there's a line in the sand that says, if you do this crime, you go to the pokey. If you decide to do this crime, you agree to come to the pokey. Yeah. And while you're in the pokey, if you get pokied, ain't my fault. Well, that's just my thoughts. But, and some people will say, you know, if you got family who's in prison and you care about that family, then it's a whole burden. Yeah, it is. But at some point in time, do you realize that this person continues to go back and forth to prison? And I guess career choice. Career choice. I mean, do you know what I think? Causes a lot of reoffending. I ain't saying nothing about the first time they offend or what caused that, but what causes a lot of reoffending, in my opinion, is a felony charge being a life sentence to not be able to get jobs with certain companies and stuff like that. 
that whenever they can't get out and they can't get work, they they turn back to reoffending because they have a felony on their record. I don't know about that, Shane. I, I think that's I, I don't think that's true. Because all my life I've I've had a job. It may not have necessarily been the job I wanted, but damn it. It kept me from starving. I'll say that. So I mean for for some people who get out, I mean, you may not be able to no, I, I, let, let me backtrack. Every inmate that gets out of corrections, they have a plan. They're going to get rich. They're going into real estate. They're going to be a rap star. Yeah. I, I got, I got two got street notebooks. credit now. They got street design. cred, a yeah. fashion design. Yeah, everybody's got this huge plan. Now, the problem is, and I say it to them, what are you going to do when that don't work? And they look at me like, how are you going to say that? Well, here's the problem. Any individual... When you have a great venture and you start it out and it doesn't work, eventually, I mean, you're, you're going to try to keep making it work. But let's just say it's not to be. You're, you're 55 getting out of uh, jail. You're not supposed to be the next little baby. But what, what happens is when you get hungry and times get tough, you go back to doing what, what you know, what you know how to do, which in turn gets your ass right back in the in the jail or in the pokey as we're calling it these days. And I think that's the issue. I mean, now a lot of guys will get out and they'll have these great aspirations, but sometimes the best gig you can get right now may be flipping burgers. Well, why isn't the, my point on it is, is why isn't the debt that the judge decided to give you to society enough? Why does it have to be a lifelong thing? That's true. Like, if they decided to give you three years, why ain't that where it stops? If they decide to give you six years, why ain't that where it stops? Why does it have to be a thing that follows you? Well, I knew, a, life? I knew a guy, I won't name his name, but he worked for us, and he had a felony charge on him. And, of course, the dumbass company I work on work with don't run background checks before they hire you. They just go ahead and start you. Then if it comes back bad, oh, sorry about your luck, we got to let you go. Well, that happened to him. This dude was a hell of a worker, and he was like, he had decided to change his life and get out, put one foot forward and try to get out of the situation. Well, his background check came out. Mm-hmm. And he's, I last time I seen him, he was walking down the streets homeless. And I'm just like, well, sad, because well, some people do try to change but, you know, like you said, a lot of people don't. They have to go right back to doing what they were doing. I can't say that I've ever been in those shoes of somebody on that side of the fence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just uh, never got caught. But yeah, <laughs> this, this is true. Yeah. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> but I have, I've, I've, I release them every morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I, I see what you're talking about when I ask them when we're walking out the door, hey, man, what are you going to do? Some of them, will, they'll look at me and say, man, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. When I get back to Detroit or Chicago or Atlanta or Memphis, I don't know what I'm going to do mm-hmm. or New York. But the government has established laws that prohibit people from discriminating against ex-felons. Uh, so society does still discriminate against people for having yeah. federal charges against them or state charges against them. But... Uh, there is laws that protect their jobs, so they really shouldn't get fired for that reason. I mean, mm-hmm. if they apply to the right job. 
I can't say that you're going to get straight out and go to Here, Wall Street. Here's, but... here's part of what they do. They fill out those applications and they fail to mention it. Because I think one yeah. of the things that, that, that goes on that is if you disclose that you have a felony, uh, they can't fire you for that. Uh, and I'll say that because uh, I have a government job. And when I applied for that job, I put on there each and every DUI that I had. And yes, there is more than one. And because I disclosed it and I was up front with it, I mean, I had to ask answer some questions about it, but that wasn't what prevented me from getting hired. Now, in the same, same job, as a matter of fact, there have been guys who have come and applied and, like Mike said, got the job and then come back two months later, hey, man, you got a DUI you didn't disclose. Yeah. And they they can look at me and be like, well, he's got four. Yeah, but he said he's got four. He didn't yeah. lie. He didn't lie. Right. About, you know, yeah. Or concealing. And now it, lying is a different case. Mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody lies, if somebody, you yeah, ain't even running a business. If you lie to me, more than likely, I'm going to be fucking done with you after that. You know, whenever I catch it up. And I might not even say nothing to you. Just like, I ain't fucking with that dude no more. That's just the way people are. You, you know why I think recidivism is so bad? That's the, the word for it, actually, is recidivism. It's an inmate that releases and comes back to prison. It's so bad because of that's what... I had an old inmate tell me one time that um, easy money is great until you get busted. Um, so the high is really good. I mean, when, you, when you're out slinging dope or slinging guns for whatever gang and you're making a crap ton of money... It's really good until you get busted and then you come back to prison. And then when you get out, that gang's still there. Or, or because 99% of them's release address is where they came from. So that, so we take them out of society, put them in the mountains of West Virginia. This is on the federal level. Mm-hmm. We take them from all over the country, put them in the mountains of West Virginia. And then when we release them, we bust them right back to Detroit, right back to Chicago in the hood or, or back to Tennessee in, in the hills where they came from, where their cousins live. And their cousins are still doing meth or selling meth. So they, that's the life that they know, and they're going straight back into the life they know. And so on an individual level, they're not making the choice to do the right thing. They're making the choice to follow whatever they got them in there the first time because it was easy money. I still think I'm a firm believer that if you're a drug addict in the same aspect kind of this, if you're a drug addict and you want to quit and you take the steps to quit, you got to cut everything out of your life that's connected to Just it. To Family, you. friends, whatever. You got to disconnect, period. Yeah, I agree with that. You can't go right back to what causes your problem. I mean, it's just common sense. All right, we come back. I think we're going to get into them badass kids. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and, you know, let, let, let's clarify a little bit. When we say badass kids, when you seven, eight, nine. You're a badass kid. When you start getting into 13, 14, 15, 16. The teenage realm. Yeah, there's an adult. Now you're just an asshole. There's an adult in your life that you have to fucking control. <laughs> it is like, and they don't listen to you. Like, they don't listen to shit. And uh, somehow I'm responsible for this motherfucker. I guess it was my choices that made me responsible for him. But, <laughs> but why do I have to pay so much for his goddamn choices? You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. Back in my day, I gave my dad pure. I, I know I did. God, no. Yeah. I've told. I've said that to my dad. I've looked at him and be like, dude, 
I don't remember giving you this much trouble. He said, you have no idea. Yeah. Because you at the we, time, we you, did, you thought two time, times yeah. worse. Yeah. What you thought was righteous. Hey, and then now I look back and on my time, I'm like, dude, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> God, I'm so sorry. But the same being that has watched out for you, that has made sure you ate, made sure you had all the clothes, you got your education, kept you alive for 18, 19 years, suddenly you roll over and look at that dude and say, oh, he don't know shit. I'm going to figure the world out by myself. Dude, I can give you having an adult male child in a microchasm if you'd like me to. It happened to me last week. Okay. <laughs> so I, I work with my oldest son, and he's a good worker, and he's a good kid. Like, I could, it could be way worse. You know, it could I'll be, I've that. seen some shit. I'll it could be way worse. He's a good kid, and he, all the shit that he's got, he pays for. But, I'm in a situation where I'm kind of his boss, you know, and he brings me back here. He's having trouble getting a hose on a hydraulic pump. He's like, come here a minute. I want to show you something. I go back and I walk back here with him. And he's like, look at this. I can't move this hose. It's at too steep of an angle. I can't hook it up. I can't mend it that far. I said, well, the hose behind it, take it, put it on a 90, get it out of that hose's way. Then you can move that hose back and you'll be able to get the hose on at this angle. And he sits there and looks at it for a minute and he's like, I ain't doing that. I'm not. Fuck. I ain't doing that. I was like, okay, man. Yes. It's it's fine. Don't do it. I, you brought me back here to show you something. I said, ask JoJo because JoJo's like the head hydraulic guy in the shop or whatever. And I watched a conversation happen between him and JoJo. And I walked back there and I was like, what'd JoJo tell you? And he's like, he said, put a 90 on that hose. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the microchasm of having an adult male that you're responsible for right there. They don't listen to shit. They don't. And and I'll be right there admitting that I didn't listen to nothing, absolutely nothing my dad said in my teenage years. And then I sat back and in my 30s or, well, I started noticing it in my mid-20s. And I was like, God, man, he was right about 100% of everything. Shit. I fucked up. <laughs> And from what I understand about you, you're just getting into this side of it. Yeah, my oldest like, is 12. You, you are. <laughs> he's in the dirt stage. He's you're in a, that stage. He's yeah. like, have you fallen from the throne yet with him? Oh, yeah. Like, there's a pedestal they put you on when they're young. And oh, yeah, that's over with. That's no, super, not, super me, me, and, me and his mom are now <laughs> beneath him. He's like, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. Where, to, where to answer that? Actually, uh, it was his birthday last week. And he come like with an Amazon wish list, like like he was getting ready to have a fucking baby or something, like <laughs> like he had a birth. I'm registered at uh, Coles. Yeah. And I'm, like, nah, dude. I'm like, man, come on, chill out. Like your birthday's right after Christmas. We ain't doing all this. But yeah. dad, I go. But dad, I gotta have. I gotta do this. I'm like, sometimes, man. I I you, think he's very unappreciative. Sometimes, uh, like he doesn't appreciate what he already has. But at the same time, it's like it. It's all he sees. Like his buddies get it, his buddies start talking shit because he ain't got it, and then so now he's he's owed it, I guess. Right. But I mean, he like you said, like my oldest kid is a, is a mirror of me. He's awesome. He's a good kid. It could be a hell of a lot worse because there's there's twelve year olds at the at the middle school he goes to that are doing drugs and everything right now. It's wild, and and I'm blessed that he's not into all that. But God dang, he's a knothead, man. 
He's stupid. <laughs> like, hey, man, you could move him, get away from all them doctors and shit on your side of town and come over here to this side of town. Nah, and I, went, I went to Woodrow, dog. I know exactly what you're talking about. I ain't, <laughs> nah, I ain't doing that. Yeah, son. <laughs> I grew up over here. I'll right. Keep, I'll keep you mountain shady where the country boys are at. <laughs> Listen, I, I I think it's got something to do with your motivation. When I was growing up, my motivation was that my parents didn't know shit yeah. and that I had to get out of their house and do my own thing because I was smarter. That was my motivation. In hindsight, it was fucked up, but that was my motivation. But kids today have no motivation. They want every. They, they want you to hire them as a supervisor because they know more than you. They want you to pay them uh, like a rapper they see on TV <laughs> because why not? They should have all of that money. Um, they just want to wake up one day and just fucking skip all the work shit go right to the retirement because that's where they'd rather be. There is no motivation. They require instant gratification. If they pick up a fucking gum wrapper, they want you to throw them a party and pat them on the back. I mean, I think I think colleges and the courses that college professors teach now have kind of like instilled to these kids that that they can just bypass the entry level positions. Yeah, like they don't they're they're better than the person who graduated high school and tried to like me for example. I got I got out of high school went straight in the army or else I was going to go to jail um, or make babies. Yeah, well I did both. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, but I mean I went straight in the army. Tried to get out of the army and do my thing in the coal mines. Never been without a job for more than two weeks my entire adult life. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, since I was 15, never been without a job for more than two weeks. Yeah. But then, like, nobody's ever told me, well, well, you're owed this. Like, when I started in the mines, it was like, you're going to get your ass in that rock truck. You're going you're gonna to do what you got to do or they'll, they'll just hire somebody else to take your job. Mm-hmm. So I try my best, do my best every day, and I don't think I'm owed nothing. Uh, but then, But these kids that, like, I see at our work, you know, mm-hmm. they, they get hired after four years of college and they think, oh, I need to be a case manager. Mm-hmm. I need to make, I mean, I need to make 70 grand a year because I'm owed this. And they want, uh, they want you to acknowledge everything they do, man. Everything they do, they want you to acknowledge and then don't want you to acknowledge the bad stuff. When Whenever the way life works is if, if nothing's being said to you, you're probably doing your job right. Doing your job yeah. right. Because nobody walks around patting everybody on the fucking back, man. And that's what that seems like that's what they want. Like I had one situation. Uh we were working on a machine underground and uh one guy was putting hoses on and every hose that guy put on, the other guy that was putting hoses on had to go behind him and tighten them. So I get that guy to the side, I was like, Man, there's no sense in putting a hose on, not tightening it up. I said, you're making two people do the same job. Make sure your hoses are tight. He's like, man, you didn't see how fast I put that cable reel on? I was like, did I say anything to you about the cable reel? It's because you did it good. I mean, that, that's the way yeah, life is. it's your job. If you're, if you're doing your... <laughs> you're getting paid for that. If you're doing your job right, more than likely, nobody's going to say shit to you ever yeah, about anything. That's the truth. I mean... And they don't look at it like that's the goal. And that's the goal is to do your job. Nobody has to say nothing to you. That is the goal. The goal is not to get patted on the back because the only time your supervisor is going to say something to you is when there's a problem because that's what he's there for. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's they, like, want, they want like the re-encouragement of, oh, man, look at that. You're fucking... It's like my boss, he goes, 
Morning, Mike. What's up? That's the end of the conversation for the rest of the day. The rest of the day, yeah. If he had a problem, he'll come and tell me. Well, you need to get him and be like, hey, man, come here. Look how fucking good those oranges look. God. <laughs> Do you see that shit? Do you see any blemishes? No, motherfucker, you don't. I They're all them. orange. <laughs> I checked every one of those bitches. They're all premium grade. I, it's like, make sure, you know. Twice the, only the thing, price he, now. They got this big thing about scans and all that stuff. And they was like, he always gets on the radio. Needs you to make sure these scans are done. Da, da, da. First thing I do. And they're like, I said, that'd be on the back burner. I said, we got to get these scans done. And they're like, why? And I said, so I don't have to hear that fucker's mouth all day. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank I mean, you. That's we it. getting it done now. Or, you know, what, what, what happened to the basics? I, when I was growing up, they told me, if you don't know what's going on, just shut up. Or the least thing you can do is show up on time. Or, look, even if you get your balls busted, because I, I can say that, like, that might be, I am a ball buster, man. Like, whenever, like, I give I give people a hard time. But it's all in good fun. If I don't think that they're, I try to lay off of them if I think they're getting upset or something. I've never really got into it with, like, my boss. But I've got into it with, like, young co-workers. The young ones. I was, oh, yeah, I get I, the young guys. I was me. making a bell one day. And motherfuckers like, oh, if you do it this way, and I was like, listen, I, I said I've been making bills since you were in somebody's goddamn nutsack, motherfucker. I said, shut the fuck up. I think, <laughs> I think that uh, I think this guy right here has had to deal with a uh, a perturbed young man a couple times because of. <laughs> I was <thinking> the same thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, my, my son also works with Shane, and uh, he come home. Now, keep in mind, there's like a 45-minute ride. So he got off of work, drove 45 minutes, come in the door, still fuming. Cat was hot. I said, dude, what happened at work? Fucking chain. <laughs> I said, all right, what happened? He just he just be talking shit. Okay? What did he talk shit about? And at this point... I don't even think I remember what exactly it was that Shane was talking shit about. But the one thing that pissed him off more was when, at the end of his story, he was like, ain't that fucked up? I'm like, nah, that ain't fucked up. He he was right. You need to quit wearing your feelings on your sleeve. He said the same thing. <laughs> yeah, he said the same shit. Yeah, I that's, mean. That's part of growing up, man. Yeah. Everybody should have to go through that. Yeah, man, and it's a big adjustment for some high school kids. Like, there is some high school kids that are straight beasts. I mean, I ain't taking nothing away from that, like superstar wrestlers or whatever they are, you know, athletes coming out of school. But it is a shock to them sometimes whenever they go from being top dog to uh, you now, you're, now you're working <laughs> with men that, that ain't no scared of years. you. You know, they're not tim intimidated by yeah. the little actions that you did with other people, and it's like a... Uh, mm -hmm. You you gotta adjust, man. Yeah. Because now you're working with grown men, and they don't give a fuck about you or your feelings. They're they're working their job for their family, or or they respect you because you do your job well, not because you're the biggest or the strongest or the prettiest. They don't give a damn about that. Because the truth be told, and if you're a young man listening to this, or if you have kids, explain it to them. There's a difference between boy strength and man strength. Them little boys you grabbing a hold of in high school, you can tussle around. You reach over and grab a hold of that grown ass man, and he don't move. 
Something's wrong. Yeah, he, he just looks, giggles a little bit. He, look, yeah, he, like, he looks uh-huh. at you he's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely a, a big difference there. Yeah, the, and I think that the U.S., I'll say it, America's in some trouble. Because if you're counting on this generation to come oh. up to be your workforce, oh. we in trouble, bro. And I, and I think that's part of the reason why we're building machines to do everything, because you can't hire a 19-year-old to damn shuck a ear of corn. Shit. They say there's some McDonald's. I can't remember where it was at. Oh, it's where fully it's automated? It's fully automated. Yeah. Machines and everything. That's you order. McDonald's, man. That's yeah. your entry-level job. That, exactly. That's where you're supposed to start at. Now you, you can go through the drive through push your button, slip your money in there, and when you come around, they'll spit your fucking Big Mac out. I remember when I got out of high school, I tried and tried to get on with Kroger's, but they were like, nope, you know. So I had to go to, uh, I think my first job was Hardee's. I made it two weeks enough to buy an eight ball of Coke, and I was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> so I left, and... Uh, <laughs> And I went to um, I went to Winter Place, and you know I loved it, but it was like one of those jobs where you got to depend on the weather, and it was hot that summer, so it was like after Martin Luther King Day, it was like we're gonna have to cut you loose, you know. And I finally got on with Kroger's and stuff, but I remember it was hard to get on with Kroger's back in the day. Yeah, everybody's begging for motherfuckers now, man. Oh God, everybody yeah. is. Everybody. Management be out there sucking dick if you find it out an application, and that's the thing they're hiring these dudes, and then they don't work like you said. You hire them, you give them a month, two months, man, fucking motherfucker job. They won't be there on time every day, man. What bullshit? I was on time by thirty minutes, but still, no. There's no standards. They have no work ethic. Nah. They're never wrong. Whoever's jumping their ass is always wrong. Mm-hmm. I, rem- I, I mean, like, before COVID happened, I remember our store was completely staffed. I mean, it ran like a machine. And then COVID happened, and it all just broke loose all of a sudden. Now you can't get nobody. But I blame a lot of it on companies because they're saying, well, we can run it at this level at and, a quarter still, of the and still make mm. a fortune off of it. Let's just go with that. Mm-hmm. And I think more companies are doing it. You know, well, I know the coal mines around here, they've been running like that forever, trying to run the mines with not enough people. That's why they work the shit out of the workforce. I talk That's why a, nobody wants the jobs, too, now. I talked to a lady at Raleigh General because I had a. Uh, one of my family members that was going through the ER, but she kind of explained to me the same thing Mike was saying. You know, during COVID, you know, you had all of these patients, you had nurses, and the nurses were more concerned with people, you know, so they were taking on 10 patients or 12 patients where they usually had five or six. Now COVID's died down and the hospitals are more concerned with numbers. They don't give a damn about patients. Mm-hmm. So they're still expecting these same nurses to take on 12 damn patients. Right. And they're like, hold on, wait a minute. We ain't doing that shit. Well, you proved you could do it before. What about this bottom line? And the lady actually told me that these higher-ups, these CEOs, factor in mathematically how many patients are going to die. They factor that into their equation. They're good with that. They know at least 20 of you motherfuckers are going to die. But it's already factored into the numbers. They don't care. It's big corporate shit, man. 
And it goes all the way down from retail, medical industry, coal mines, all of it. They're all doing it. And, you know, I, I don't I don't see it getting any better. I see it getting worse. Because not only I won't talk about the business side of it because I'm probably not allowed to, but they're having a really hard time getting people to sign up for these jobs. And that's an issue. Mm-hmm. And it's finally taking shape. And then you think, you see all these issues, and they're like, well, if they don't give a fuck, why should I give a fuck type attitude? And it trickles downhill. Well, I mean, that, that's kind of where it is where I work. I mean, we had a big shift of the wind, let's say, over the past two years. Uh, from, it seems like nowadays you have people that care more about inmates. We don't want to get sued, man. We don't want to upset them because the inmate, I'm going to call my mama and my mama knows a congressman. So now everyone's upset. So what's happened is now we're catering to the inmates and where the inmates was like, yeah, we get to do what we want to do. Now the inmates are realizing that's not really what they even wanted because when the inmates are running a prison, now we got motherfuckers getting stabbed. You got uh, more dope on the yard than you could ever imagine a dream of. Believe it or not, Half these dudes come to prison because they need these rules. They want these rules. They want these standards. And when there are no standards and the inmates realize, realize what the fuck y'all staff members going to do? I ain't going to do shit. And then the staff members look, look around and they're like, man, fuck these people. They don't care about us. They care about bottom lines and numbers. Now your staff doesn't care. Your inmates don't care. And your prison's burning down around your ankles. Nailed it on that one. Yeah. That's exactly what's happening. You take a person. No, I shouldn't say a person. You take a business uh, that's been running for 20 years. You know the business has been running for 20 years because the same people that you hired when you started are just just about to retire. Right. Or retire. And this place has been running as smooth as it possibly can for 20 solid years. But over the next two years, it falls apart. Something's happened. Yeah, your, your infrastructure's I, I, gone. Yeah, and, and and it's not just it's not just this company and this company. It's going all companies. You're starting to see it. You ever heard the here. saying like if something works, don't fuck with it. Yeah, yeah. I think the entire nation is fucked with it. Well, and yeah. that's where we're at. Well, see, you can't have a situation where people just don't fuck with it. Because too many people are trying to justify jobs by changing rules or making changes to something that works. You know what I mean? We this, can this always make like, it better. This looks like it's working, but we can make it better. That's why I'm here. So instead of just using what they used to have, they just fucking try yeah. to change everything. You know, everything would be all right if it wasn't for that goddamn Donald Trump. There it is. There it is. Now we're hitting on something. What is it? Almost three years later. Still blaming the three years later. <laughs> They'll be blaming him forever. I listen to it on uh, when I listen to podcasts. They there's several podcasts about uh, the changes Donald Trump made affecting us for years. I don't think it ended up that Donald Trump's going to be the one to take us into World War Three, though. I don't think. Oh well, you can't blame the current president because he's a fucking patient at heart, man. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> This, this dude's got sundowners. All did you he see, doesn't realize what's going on. Did you on. see? Uh, you got yeah, one that's I, got the giggles, and the other one don't know where the fuck he's at. Did you see where 
I can't remember. It's one of the top Air Force colonels came out and said that he has a prediction by 2025 we will be in a full-scale war with China. And they said the reason being is that the United States is going to pay more attention to the presidential elections and Taiwan is going to be having their elections and that's when China's going to make their move. Hmm. Believe that. That's probably one of the scariest things you can think of. Yeah. In the war with China right now. <laughs> Back to the kids thing. Dude, I think the generation we got is yeah. not... Not World War Two style generation. Nor, nor are they patriotic. So what? <laughs> right. very little in the history of war, and it it talks about it in the art of war. What's the most important thing to do to the enemy to start defeating them? It is to cut off, cut off their supply, supply chain. Mm-hmm. And all they got to do is stop trading with us, brother. Yeah, that's it. We're already beat in that aspect if we don't change a lot of shit that we do right now. I mean, uh, we have the resources to recover from it, but it ain't going to be like a two-month deal recovering from not trading with China. It's going to be like years, you know, decade type of deal to recover from what we get from China. I mean, down to antibiotics, man. Or what we sell to China for their money. Yeah. All it is is companies trying to make or spend less money by giving them full production in China. And, you know, their government's gotten kickbacks from them for years. And eventually, I have a feeling it's going to come out. Did you know in like uh, 2008, 2009, of course, I was just a rock truck driver, but China was buying up all of Alpha Natural Resources metallurgical coal, like before any domestic company could buy metallurgical coal. China was buying it, capping it with capping barges and sinking it in the, in the ocean outside of China to stockpile in the ocean, stockpiling our coal. So probably so they could turn around and make shit out of it and sell it back to us mm-hmm. for, you know, whatever we're willing to pay for it because we can't get it now. Well, see, they were doing uh, what I heard that it was uh, right after the collapse of, uh, well, right before the collapse of 12, is when they were doing that. You remember whenever the market yeah. collapsed in 2012? But I don't know. I wonder if there's a uh, a science behind, because if you let coal set, it loses BTUs and it becomes less valuable and stuff like that. So I wonder if there's anything to putting it in water that would keep Chinese-made metal shitty anyway, so what's going on? <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Well, what they sell to us is shitty. Yeah. You know? But they throw up they throw up buildings like we used to in the in the twenties, you know, over there now. Mm-hmm. Uh they're they're doing they're going through what we went through in the twenties and thirties and uh building their country up. So I'd say they're they are very well capable of making good steel. They just sell us their shit. What's well, crazy, this is way off topic, was talking about how like good the economy is and stuff. So I'm sitting at the house and dad's watching a golf tournament last night and he's what in the golf to- the PGA golf tournaments at Dubai. Have you seen how fast that city has grown? Oh Dubai's yeah. got real money. Oh L-I-B. my god. I don't know oh how it god. looks now, but when I went there it's awesome. Hey I Dude, it's insane. It wraps around and it's getting bigger and bigger. And I heard that was telling me, I don't know how true this is, but a lot of places in the United States and other places around the world cannot get the scaffolding in the sky, um, what are they called? 
Help me out. Sky tracks and sky trains? To in our cities to build stuff because so many of them are in Dubai because they just keep on building and building and building. They say that in Dubai that you can, uh, that there's Bugattis and shit that just set in the streets and end up in like a, like a scrapyard type of deal because these finance companies have to go get them. And do you know why the, because in Dubai, if you default on a loan, you go to fucking prison. Damn. So these people that have that go out and take out a loan on a Bugatti or one of these real expensive Mercedes or some shit, whenever they default, they flee. So so they don't go to prison over a sports car. Damn. I, I thought that was interesting. So if you default Tell on a loan, your over kids. There, <laughs> yeah. So like Dad pulled up this image of this like um like it, I wouldn't even consider it a suburb. So it's like. They put so much land, build in land around water. They, it looks like a palm tree from the sky view, and it has branches breaking off in little subdivisions, are all around water, and all of them are mansions, on all these branches and stuff, and like all these celebrities, a lot of rich people, you know, are the only ones that can afford to live there and stuff. And I think, like, Beyonce owns a house there and shit like that. It's crazy. I wonder, uh, do you think their uh, pedophile laws are more lenient over there? Well, I, I don't know. all the celebrities are going over there? I don't know. Go over there and fuck some kids. I, I mean, I'm telling you, they're... Eh, I know that their base religion is, you know... Muslim. Muslim. Mm-hmm. But they are the most liberal Muslims ever because they allow women to walk around the way they look here in the United States. Let's see, it was like that. These holes is for everybody. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and and, and there's bars everywhere, alcohol to the well, tea. I mean, it's everywhere. Well, see, even in Afghanistan and stuff like that, back... Uh, in the 70s and early 80s, before uh, their governments got overthrown, the women uh, didn't dress like that. They didn't right. have the full coverings and all that. They were pretty liberal till they got overthrown. Parts well. of the bigger city, Masri Sharif, where I was at, parts of it, they were they were Western dressed women too. Yeah, they were they were into the style and stuff that, of the time. Other women were here in the United States, but I couldn't. I mean, some of them buildings and stuff. It, Honestly, I didn't see the whole city. They just showed it looks almost. It's going to be bigger in New York City, if not bigger. Mm-hmm. And by the time they're finished with it, it's well, insane. Well, we, we've said it on here before. Americans need to quit thinking that the United States is the most biggest and lavish country in the world, because we're not. No, I don't think we're we are either. I mean, if you see photos of uh, Egypt. Uh, like you say, Korea, Japan, Switzerland, Dubai, beautiful, freaking Qatar was. Man, don't get me started on that shit. But yeah, th- there's a lot more money and a lot more concentrated places than just you know United States. And I, and I'm not trying to take anything from what we've got, but we ain't the only people out here making money and balling out of control. Yeah, I was. Uh... Did you see where they were talking about how they, you know how they have a list of the richest guys in the world, Bezos and all Mm -hmm. that on it. They're not the richest people in the world. Like Saudi princes and shit 
yeah. are the richest people in the world with the oil money and stuff. Every time you fill up. And the reason that they're that you don't know how rich they are is because they don't have a government that they have to report anything to. They don't have to they don't have to account for their money in any kind of way. So nobody knows what they're worth, but they say that they're the richest people in the world, not Bezos and all these people. Well, talk about rich people, and this takes it totally out of it. Uh, so they were doing an interview with like Bill Gates. And uh, you know, all this creepy man. Okay, I'm glad you said that. So, you know, the guy, uh, what was his name, Epstein, that killed himself in prison, allegedly. Allegedly, <laughs> so they were interviewing him. Hillary Clinton killed that, and he person. said they asked him about because he supposedly had flights to Epstein's Island. And in the interview, eventually, he came out and said he killed himself, right. And just straight dead looked at the camera and said, he's dead, right? And that was it. I'd be like, yes, he is. Thank you for your time, Mr. Bill Gates. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, God damn. Exactly, man. I'm just like, what the fuck? Did you see where they were interviewing his wife, too? Mm -hmm. Where she she was just straight up like uh, the biggest reason that she divorced him was she couldn't stand the thought that he was on those airplanes. No, I didn't see this. Yeah. So, I mean... Look, let's, okay, let's talk shit. about MCC New York real quick, since we're talking about Epstein. Okay. Could you imagine being a GS5 correctional officer walking in and working at MCC New York <laughs> with the housing? Like, it's like $10, $11 for a gallon of fucking milk in New York. Yeah. I mean, we started at that here, GS5 correctional officer. Mm-hmm. There is no way... Like, what, what you're talking about, there's no... Okay, so if I'm if I grew up in New York City and I apply to be a correctional officer at the prison, that's like, like you make more money operating a ticket booth at a subway, yeah, in New York City than you do as a correctional officer. So like, there's no way that it wasn't easy to bribe these guys to right. get something done. Yeah, uh, like it's really hard to bribe me to do something here in Beckley, West Virginia, but in New York, where, I mean, maybe I'll go serve two or three years for not doing my job. Falling asleep on the job or whatever. Dude, I don't know. If you're telling me to, uh, if you're telling me you're going to give me a little bit of money to turn my back to this fucking pedophile getting murdered. No, and I'm not even going to say that to you. I'm going to say, Shane, dude, I left a a bag. It's got $10,000 in the break room. Why don't you go get that bag? I'll be right back, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Hold your keys while, yeah. while you're going. Let me hold your keys while you're going. But yeah. I mean, that wouldn't like I there, and nothing in, happened to them boys neither. Inmates, they all got off. Inmates here, they try you all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you'd be smoking a cigarette or whatever, and they'll say, "Why don't you drop me one of them or whatever?" You know, when you're really young in the in the in in the business. Now they know me, and they know they ain't getting shit out of me. But you know, you have to be like. One cigarette, is it really worth my career, my family? You know, no. at, not at all. Not even fucking close. It's going to take a hell of a lot more than that for me to ruin this up. And, like, even now, I wouldn't. They're, they're all the same. You know, we could talk about chomos or versus yeah. drug, drug dealers. To me, an inmate's an inmate. Once you're wearing khaki, I have to treat them all the same. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, honestly, I don't give a fuck what they did. I'm not turning my back to on my career and my family just so they could. 
suicide a, a chomo. You know what I mean? I mean, that's... Because the truth be told, any fucking inmate, I don't care how sweet the deal is, they're offering you $300 for one of them cigarettes. Bottom line is, they cannot wait to tell. Well, oh, I'm telling oh, you right they now. Can't that's wait that's why I can't figure out why the government ain't found something out about this situation. It, yeah. like, and if I was a correctional officer and Hillary Clinton or Bill Gates handed me say, "I'm going to, you know, retire after this," I'm like, "Yeah, I'm going to go well, sleep about what you mean go to two sleep? o'clock." Y'all want me do it? Y'all, <laughs> y'all want me do it myself? Because I mean, well, there is there is this aspect of it too. You got a guy that walks up. You're in a maximum security prison or whatever, wherever you're working that's supposed to house people that can't get in and cannot get out. And you got a guy standing in front of you and he says, leave or you're next, bud. That's yeah. true, too. Yeah, it might not have been any fucking, money at all. Fucking yeah. men in black showed up. You know, you I, know this is <laughs> I think you would like, okay, this guy's got some power. He knows some people yeah. and he's probably telling me the truth. Yeah. I think Epstein was getting ready to talk. Oh, there's no doubt and, and and that's what got him killed. Period. He probably told him that shit. Look, either I'm getting out of here, or I'm gonna start talking. And all the people he knew was like, "Oh no, he's not gonna start talking. We need to con- contact somebody that can reach to where he's at." Well, they said what's his name was on that plane too, like a lot of planes. Tom Hanks, believe it or not. I've heard he was on. A lot. And I've also yeah, heard that's why he moved to that country because they have more lenient laws on uh, kid fuckers. Up yeah. There. And I've also heard he that he's got <laughs> he's got a lot of like really occult tattoos tattooed all over him. Tom Hanks. That's what I've heard. Dude, you guys looked into that uh, the dude that was trying to out him getting murdered, and Tom Hanks was on the like posted photos on the same highway that guy was murdered on, and everything on the same. Hell day. no, no, yeah, I dude, haven't look heard that, that shit up, man. Look it up. We'll talk about it. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, bro. America's Big. fucking sweetheart, son. America's sweetheart. Damn. He's throwing motherfuckers Living off cliffs and shit. Living on the island with shit. the volleyball. <laughs> 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 cried over Wilson. I mean, yeah, yeah cried over Wilson. Shit. I cried over that fucking volleyball. He made me cry over a volleyball. Hell That's yeah. what made me. Wilson. God damn, hope he comes back. All right. All right. But know, Tom, Tom I don't want to get suicided, though. You know what I mean? So, I don't give a fuck, Tom. Fuck who you want. I'm just telling you. <laughs> fuck I you. I just seen some shit on the internet. Don't kill me, dude. I've heard it all. I work at Kroger's. Come kill me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the gateway to hell. <laughs> Frost is ready to die. <laughs> I, know, I know some people you should probably talk to. Yeah. <laughs> Get you some resources, son. God damn. All right, fellas. How much we got? We got 55 minutes. That's, That's right good. at it. Yep. Tell them again where they can uh, view you and all that. You know, just give your... Uh, my biggest shit. my biggest social media is uh, Ruck22WV on Facebook. My name is Brad McDaniel. My phone number is listed on there. Gmail account's listed on there. Uh, we have a website as well, so... Um, but the Facebook page is the most active, so hit me up on there. I'll be posting some stuff coming up this year. All right. You can look us up on Facebook, too. Try try not to get sued. And hopefully next weekend we got a couple of Jonathan Cox. He's uh, scheduled to be on next week. And a local band called The Switch. Hopefully all that works out and we can get that done. But uh, and email us at... Uh, 
Try not to get sued. No G at Gmail. Thanks for listening if you listen.